like to welcome you once again to Central Park Neighborhood Church. This is our Wednesday night service, our teaching time when we gather together around the Word of God and study and learn and grow together in the things of God as we look into the Word and grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We just welcome you once again, and we've been looking at the subject of the Holy Spirit in the last couple of times that we have met together. Uh, we have been looking at the actions of the Holy Spirit. You know, what, what, what are the benefits that really take place in our life because the Holy Spirit is in our life? Um, I shared with you before, when you go to a, a new job, you are always curious, what are my benefits? Uh, why should I work here? Uh, what kind of a uh, retirement plan do you have? What kind of a medical plan do you have? What do you offer? What is the hourly wage uh, that I'm going to give my life for to work at this job. And so we are interested in the benefits. Well, likewise, you see, God has given us benefits of the fact that he's in our life. And because of that, there are many things that we can access. And in accessing those things, they have a direct bearing on how we live in this life and how we can be victorious and, and how we can face life and the challenges that life throw at us, especially during this time that we're in. We have many challenges, uh, you know, uh, lockdown, and, and we don't have freedom, and we can't move about, and all of the uh, difficulties that come along with that. Well, you know, the Spirit of God gives benefits. He gives, he gives of himself to us access to his grace, access to his life, that enable us, amen, to walk and to move about even though we are <laughs> in a lockdown situation. Because one of the things that we looked at is God has not given us a spirit of fear. And one of the driving forces in our world today is the spirit of fear. I can't tell you how many phone calls I've gotten this last few days from people who have read things on the internet and, and have been very concerned, I mean very concerned about, you know, whatever was being presented and, and we had to address those things and address them from the Word of God and look at uh, what God says and what God is doing instead of what is made up in some imagination of some man uh, purporting something that isn't true. And so one of the benefits that we have, of course, is the benefit of the Spirit of God. He hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of self-control. So we can be in control. Uh, we don't have to let our mind run. We don't have to uh, uh, go to bed at night and worry and, and lay in, in absolute utter no peace in our life because of what we see or what we read or what someone has declared. No, we need to go to the Word of God. What does the Word of God declare? What does the Word of God show us? What does the Word of God uh, want us to think and act and believe? And so God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us self-control. It's a benefit of the Spirit. That's one of the things that we looked at. Another thing that we looked at in just reviewing a little bit is the Spirit of God gives rest. And that word rest means to settle down. We can be settled down in our spirit uh, in this day, in this hour that we are living in. It doesn't mean that we don't have a red-hot relationship with God. It doesn't mean that we are passive in our relationship with God. No, it's learning to live in a settle down in a, in a state of peace with God, amen, in his kingdom, 
while all of the tornado around us is going around and around with all of its winds, all of its confusion, and everything that is there. We looked at also another benefit of the Spirit of God is that He will guide us into all truth. In other words, He's going to show us the way. God doesn't leave us behind in anything. He doesn't leave His church behind in anything. We as individuals behind in anything. He wants us up to date. He will reveal Himself in the Word of God. He he speaks to us and shows us things to come. And the, re- the reason he does that is because he's there in us and he is a benefit to us. He doesn't leave us in the dark. Can you say amen to that? I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit of God living in my life today. The other thing that we talked a little bit about was that the Spirit of God, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we looked at this word liberty. It means to go unrestrained as a citizen. We're born into the kingdom of God. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. And when you are a citizen of a kingdom or a citizen of any country uh, that you happen to live in, uh, you have certain rights, you have uh, certain guidelines that you uh, have uh, access to that the foreigner does not have access to. And when you are a citizen in the kingdom of God, you have rights to healing, you have rights to peace, you have rights to joy, you have rights, uh, amen, to uh, lay down and sleep in peace. Why? Because it's benefits. These are the benefits of the Spirit of God being in our life. The last one I just want to touch on here, as far as the benefits, before we go on in our lesson uh, tonight, is found in Ephesians 2, 20 and 22. And it basically states to us that the Spirit of God is building us together for a permanent dwelling place of God. It says in Ephesians 2.20, We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Verse 21, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. And then it says this in verse 22, in whom also we are builded together. He says we're builded together. Why are we builded together? To be a habitation of God. How? Through the Spirit. So we find then that we're we're a dwelling place of God. Know you not that your body is the temple of the living God? Pastor Steve uh, shared these scriptures with us this last Sunday about us uh, being the habitation of God. And, And I'm I'm just going through and reiterating this very thought that we're building together. We're being brought together. There's a construction process that goes to, in our lives in causing us to be built together. We don't just fit naturally together. The Spirit of God comes and He works in our lives. He fashions things in our lives. He works in our attitudes. He works in our personalities and he builds us together so that we are a habitation of God. It's talking when it talks about being builded together, it's talking about union together. It's it's, it's being with, it's together, it's, it's union or unity. And uh, the Bible says that we are to work at unity. Unity just doesn't happen. Unity just doesn't come about just because it says it in the word. There's a process that we go through and things that we have to do to maintain and endeavor unity as the Spirit of God says in the Word. So we're a habitation, we're a dwelling place. He's, we're a house, we're a permanent dwelling for the Spirit of God. You see, the Spirit of God uh, is with us today. 
He's with us right now, and his actions flow through our life. His benefits come through to us. Uh, But even when we step into eternity, you're going to find the Spirit of God is still with us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's going to be with us throughout eternity. Well, that's another benefit that we have. He's not a God who forsakes us. The Spirit of God is not going to leave us, but he's there and he's going to continually be there. And that's why it's so important that we get to know the person of the Holy Spirit, to have fellowship with the Spirit, to, to realize why he's there and what he's doing in our hearts and lives and, and the importance of it and, and learning to live with him, learn to dwell with him, because we're going to do it throughout eternity. Hallelujah. So those are just some of the actions of the Holy Spirit that we we considered and we looked at and and uh, there are many more actions uh, in that we can be partakers in in the Holy Spirit. Uh, but uh, for tonight's lesson, we want to continue on with some other thoughts in the Holy Spirit here and uh, learn some more about Him and what the Word of God teaches about Him. And uh, we're going to look at some symbols of the Holy Spirit symbols of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, in my study, I have nine different symbols. Once again, we're not going to go through nine different symbols in this particular lesson, but uh, we'll take uh, one uh, even this this time, and then we will continue on uh, next time with the symbols of the Holy Spirit. What is a symbol? A symbol is something that represents something else by association, resemblance, or convention, especially a material object used to represent something invisible. You know, many times you see, uh, uh, you go to the Bible bookstore and you see a, a sign and you see uh, some kind of a, a chart or, or a, something that's hanging on the wall and right on it, it has a dove. Its wings are spread and immediately you see that dove and you say, oh, oh yes, that's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And we recognize that. And that symbol of that dove represents something that's invisible, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Where do we get that symbol from the Word of God? Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. You'll find that when Jesus comes to John uh, to be baptized in the River Jordan, it says the Spirit of God descended like a dove and lighted upon him. And so we find that the Holy Spirit... uh, came like a dove. And in that scripture, we have the two thoughts that are tied together, Holy Spirit and dove. And when we come to uh, symbols in the Holy Spirit, we need to find a scripture uh, for each symbol that ties the two things together that you want to put together. For example, we just gave you dove and symbol of the Holy Spirit. You'll find it in that scripture. Another symbol that we find um, uh, with and represents the Holy Spirit is the river. The river. In John chapter 7, 38 and 39, uh, the great day of the feast, Jesus cries out, and, and he that's thirsty, let him come unto me. And he talks about out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the scripture says this he spoke of concerning the Spirit of God. So what do we have again? We have a scripture which ties the two things together, the river, the symbol, to the Holy Spirit. River and 
Holy Spirit. And so those are just two of the particular symbols. I'll just uh, give you a couple more here. Uh, wind. Uh, wind. Now, wind is a symbol, yet if you can't see the wind. You, if you go outside and the wind is blowing, you know it's blowing because you can feel it against your skin. In Washington, when it gets cold and they, you have a really chilly wind, you really know the wind is blowing because it just chills you to the bone. You know the wind is blowing, yet you can't see it. Well, when you look at um, concerning the wind on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, they were with all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit as the Spirit gave them utterance, and they began to speak in other languages and so on. So we find then that wind and the Holy Spirit Here's another portion of scripture where you have a symbol and a reality of the invisible being brought together. And so each one of these symbols, um, they bring truth to us in understanding of more understanding of the Spirit of God. You know, it's uh, uh, when, I, when you think about truth, you take, um, uh, I'm going to use this illustration. If you you take a young lady who braids her hair in three braids, and you 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 see her you walking down the street, and you say, "My, she has nice hair. She has three braids." And the interesting thing about each braid, there are many individual hair that make up each braid, and then. When you have the three braids, you have multiples of hair in each braid to give the three individual braids. Same thing it is with the truth of the Word of God. You may see, well, here's one braid, two braids, three braids, but in each braid there are single hair. There is a single truth which is represented by each hair, and it takes all of those single hairs to bring forth the the braid itself and so consequently you're going to find many streams uh, of truth that have to come together to bring a full revelation and a full understanding of the whole picture of the holy spirit and so it's just like we've been looking at some of the actions actions are only part benefits are only part of the holy spirit now as we begin to look at the the subjects here of the symbols of the Holy Spirit, you'll find that brings a greater and a fuller revelation and understanding of the Spirit of God in our hearts and lives. And not only that, but what He wants to do and and how He's going to do it and, and the purposes of what He wants to do in our hearts and lives. The Spirit of God is not there just uh, uh, living inside of us so that we can have fun and games all the time. Uh, I like fun and games. I I, I enjoy the joy of the Lord, but there's times when the Bible talks about the fiery trials that we're to have. Well, fiery trials, you know, they're not exactly, um, uh, they're fire, they're hot, they're burning, they're, they're doing something in my, hot, in my heart and my life. Well, the same spirit that brings me joy, the same spirit that brings me peace, is the same spirit where uh, the symbol of fire is of God. And fire, we know, you know, uh, as a child, you know, mom would say, don't touch the stove, it's hot. Uh, uh, 
Uh, leave the, you know, you have a wood stove in the house, you see the flames, don't touch the stove. Well, you know, every child, probably every one of us, we touch the stove. Why? We just had to figure it out. We had to find out for ourselves. And what happened? We got burned. Why? Because the fire is hot. The fire is hot. And, and of course, you go away bawling and, you know, you, you get a cold cloth or a piece of ice or something and you put it on your, your burn spot to keep the burning, the pain down. Uh, until it it goes away and heals up a little bit. And so anyway, the fire of God. And so this is the thing that we want to look at, and the first symbol that we want to look at, and we find it in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. It says, I baptize you with water for repentance. This is John the Baptist speaking now. And then he says this, But after me will come one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. And then he says this, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here it is, the Holy Spirit, and with what? And with fire. So we have the symbol of the fire in connection with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Let me read this to you. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan is in his hand, he will thoroughly purge his floor. He will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. So right there we begin to get a clue. The Holy Spirit, uh, this symbol of the Holy Spirit and fire, there are things inside of us, there's things that need to be burnt up. There, The things that are going to be burnt up, if you just stop and think about it, the only thing that, does, that will not burn is something that is pure, and that is absolutely, uh, the fire cannot do it. It might melt it, but it's like gold. You can melt it, but you don't burn it up. Um, uh I had a raw piece of gold that, that I took to a uh, jeweler here the other day, and uh, it was it was raw, you know, it wasn't it was pure, all right, but it had impurities in it. And so he said, "Okay," he said, "Here," he took it and he put it in a little container. He put a little chemical with it, and then he put the heat to it. And uh, as we watched, you know, pretty soon it began to glow. Pretty soon it began to melt. And when it began to melt, uh, every so often there would come up a little spark of flame. And what would, that little spark of flame was an impurity that was burned up. It didn't burn the gold. It burnt up the, the contaminants that were in the gold itself. And the only way that that gold can be purified is to put it to the heat, is to put it to the test, if we can say that, and what is impure comes up, and pretty soon you'll find, because it's impure, it will burn. It will it will leave the lump whole, it will leave the lump pure, but it will burn the impurities out of it. So when he's saying here in Luke chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, verse 17, he says, he will gather the wheat into the garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire, unquenchable. Chaff. Well, what is the chaff concerning the wheat? Well, you take the grain, uh, it's inside the chaff, it is removed from the chaff, and then what you have is you have a, a something that, that surrounded the seed, it surrounded the, the fruit of what it was growing inside of it, 
but it was useless. It wasn't good for anything but fire. One time when I was in India, I was traveling along on a road, and I saw we were we came up to uh, the the rice, and uh, and I watched a young a young boy. He they, he climbed up on a box about three feet high, and he had a we had a, a big basket. But the basket was like a sieve. It had holes in it, and he was shaking it. And as he was shaking it, the 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 grain was falling through the basket, and what was left over was all the husks and uh, that which was useless after the grain was ripe. And he would empty that out, and there was a great big pile of it. And so uh, I asked, I says, "What do, what do you do with all these husks? That big pile of useless things?" He says, "Well." Uh, we sell that for people to have fires so that they can cook at night and cook their meals. And that's exactly what's going on here in this thing. He will gather the wheat into the garner, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So then fire is associated with being filled with the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 2, we find on the day of Pentecost, it was fully come. They were all with one accord, they were one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. What had happened? It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here we begin to, it begins to, once again, that symbol, fire, is attached and is a symbol, is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, you'll find that the fire actually uh, was like a cloven tongues of fire that set upon them. So being filled with the Spirit of God is directly connected to the fire of God. So when we are filled with the Spirit of God, uh, we're going to have a new relationship with fire, a new relationship with fire. Uh, you know, you you may not sense it uh, right away, but in the process of time, uh, God will take us and put us through things, and we say, oh my, it's hot here, I'm in the fire, and God is doing some, burning up some things that need to be burned up out of my life, because they're useless, they are not pure, uh, they are not uh, doing anything, any good in my life, and they need to be disposed of properly, and one of the ways that it is disposed of, it's burned up. It's burned up with fire. Interestingly enough, um, in the Old Testament, there's a scripture that says in Deuteronomy 4.24, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. There's a revelation that comes from the word of God in the Old Testament that God is a consuming fire. Now, he doesn't just say he's a fire, he's a consuming fire. And he brings that same truth over into the New Testament in Hebrews 12.29, where it simply says the same thing. It says, for our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. And because fire is in relation to God, there are different people in the scriptures uh, that we're going to take just a few moments to look at and consider they literally had a meeting with God and an understanding that God is a consuming fire and that fire in God is directly connected to each other. Moses, on the backside of the desert, you know, um, God came to him and, and Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, and this is what it says. This is how he came to him. 
It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Now, that must have been quite a sight to behold, because on the backside of the desert, I'm sure because of the heat, uh, he saw bushes on fire before, and they were burned up. They were consumed. But this bush did not and was not consumed by the fire that he saw in the bush. Well, the reason being is because that was God coming to him, and God wanted to catch his attention, and God revealed to him as the God of fire, and God began to speak to him out of that bush and began to speak to his destiny, began to speak to his call, began to give him his life's journey's direction um, that came from out from the voice out from that bush. And likewise, you're going to find the fire of God that burns within you. It's going to touch things in your life. It's going to, things that need to be consumed will be consumed. But what is he doing? He's purifying. He is doing things in your heart, in your life, that is causing your destiny and your purpose to to be on fire for God. And being on fire for God, amen, is a life that is is filled with purpose, filled with satisfaction, filled with eternal things. So today, embrace the fire of God. Embrace the fire of God. The children of Israel experienced the, the fire of God. They experienced the fire of God as protection. Uh, in Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 to 22, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud, to lead them in the way. And by night, now it was a cloud in the day, but by night it was a pillar of fire to give them, number one, light so that they could go by day or they could go by night. So they had light so they could go. With fire comes light. And he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people of God. So Moses experienced the God of fire. You'll find the children of Israel experienced the God of fire. And likewise, today, uh, we, as the people of God, we experience the fire of God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When he comes and he fills us with his Spirit of God, when he fills us, uh, we find that, that there is a fire that comes to our life. And as we continue on in this, we will look at the how this fire works, what it does, and how it we need to respond to the fire of God, and how we need to uh, work with the Spirit of God when He's doing a work in our hearts, in our lives. Um, uh, I'm going to give you one more major point here uh, concerning Elijah uh, in the introduction of this message. And, and Elijah was used by God to turn the heart's of Israel back to God by establishing an altar with a sacrifice and when he offered that sacrifice on the altar the fire of God fell upon the sacrifice it consumed it and we find this uh, related to us in 1st Kings chapter 18 we won't take time to read the whole chapter but we'll just make a few points here out of it you'll find that uh, uh, Elijah, he comes to the people and, and he says, you know, let's let's serve the God who answers by fire upon the sacrifice. And and so the prophets of Baal, uh, they they carried on all day offering sacrifice on this altar and, and slashing themselves and crying and doing all kinds of, uh, uh, I'm going to call it foolish things. 
and uh, Elijah was saying, well, your God must be asleep, or, you know, what's going on with you? How come he's not answering you? Well, and the Bible says about the time of the evening sacrifice, uh, he restored the altar, he put the wood on it, uh, he uh, put the sacrifice on the altar, then he says, go get some water, and he poured water all over it to there was a trench around the altar, and he poured water on it the third time. He poured water on it and poured water on it till it was soaked and drenched, and the 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 uh, the ditch was filled with water. So there was no chance, no chance that the, by you know there could be some accident or magic that fire could come and consume this sacrifice. But when he did that, you'll find the Bible says the fire of God fell on it. It consumed the sacrifice. It consumed the altar. It consumed the water. It licked up everything. It was the fire of God that fell. And that day, the people of God fell on their face because they recognized this is the God of fire. This is the God of our fathers. Uh, and this is the God who is a God who is a consuming fire. And God proved himself that day that he, he alone, he alone takes the sacrifices of the people and he alone accepts them. And he alone comes as the God of fire and consumes them. And so we find then that our God is a consuming fire. And because he's a consuming fire, you will find uh, that you and I, as we go on in this lesson, we will find that we have come into contact with a God. Amen. The God of fire, of consuming fire. Amen. So we will carry on the next time and we will look at this and consider our God is a consuming fire. Amen. The Lord bless you.